Hello, everyone, and welcome to Success Shorts. I'm Aurel Chanel. Today, we're joined by Brooke Forbes. Brooke is the head of technology for personal investing at Fidelity Investments, which is a group charged with accelerating Fidelity's digital capabilities and strategies for millions of clients. Brooke and I really dig into the theme of Agile and how that runs throughout her story, from the impact it's had on her trajectory to how she uses it in her exceptionally busy day-to-day life. This is a really good one, so I hope you enjoy our time with Brooke Forbes. Let's go. Brooke, it's an absolute pleasure to have you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Carol, thanks so much for hosting me. I absolutely love your podcast series. So I was so excited when you reached out to have a conversation. Well, you flatter. I really appreciate that. And I'm really excited because you have this really incredible background that's part inspiring and also part how the heck has she accomplished all this, which is going to be a lot of fun to dig into. But first, I wanted to kick things off the way I've been lately, and that's to really kind of understand how COVID has impacted you and what you've learned along the way because of it. It's a great question to kick off with, and it is a discussion that has been ongoing ever since we made that shift in our work environments and our personal environments in March. And in fact, I was in a discussion this morning with about 20 other global CIOs as part of a network I'm in and listening, you know, to all of these leaders talk about how they've led through that and so many synergies in terms of how we have led through that here at Fidelity. So we're in good company with all the things that are on the minds of senior executives. But the one word that comes to mind here is the word resiliency. You know, what I have found in this shift and in an environment, right, where for me personally, my day to day, like many listening here today, you know, you're getting up at the crack of dawn, you're racing to get to the office, you know, you're running hard for a good, you know, 10 or 12 hours. But what you realize or what I've realized is just how much freshness and newness happens in that day-to-day routine in a non-COVID world. You don't have that break in your routine and the continuity of your day. And so you really have to get up every single morning and you got to bring your A game, especially as a leader. And I think that that resiliency is required every single day. Because the dynamic of what you're doing has a lot more monotony to it without the breakup of the physical movement in the commute, without the routine of I'm getting on a plane once in a while and I'm I'm going and I'm having that experience professionally. I'm not meeting in person with people and grabbing that coffee or lunch. And so from a mindset perspective, so you've got to recreate some of that freshness and routines. And you have to do it every single day, even on the weekends, and not just create that for yourself, but create it for your leaders and the teams that we're all privileged to work with every day. So, you know, my, my number one word is resiliency. And my second word, Errol, is energy. And I think between those two, it's a really great combination to continue to respond and react on a daily basis to, you know, what's coming at us and how do we. Uh, be agile, candidly, and reacting to that, and still keeping things moving forward in a really positive way. 
that topic of resiliency is definitely one that is just continuously coming up in our own lives. But also you hear about the resiliency of the people who have gone through massive life events. At its core, it's just that ability to adapt and recover from tough things that are going on. And we've had no shortage of that. It's good to hear that and have that reaffirmed. So I appreciate you sharing that. And one of the things that you did mention was this word agile, which when I think about what you do as the CIO, you are ingrained in this this tech world where agile plays a very big role. But also, if I look back, you have this really dynamic background that's just full of agility. And that's actually a topic that I'd like to kind of get into with you. I mean, you've been able to maneuver, you've been able to pivot in different areas, different industries, and you've been able to do that with a, a lot of success from role to role. And I know that it's not a straight line up, but you're able to function at a very high level. So I'm curious, when did you begin to identify this concept of agility as playing such a meaningful role in your development? And how did you kind of foster that early on to the point where you're firing on all cylinders because of it? Errol, thanks for asking that question, because it's one that I've had to be really introspective and thoughtful about. I had the good fortune a couple of years ago to be asked to give a talk about what does Agile mean to you? And as a part of the process of preparing for this talk, I went through the process of really thinking about it, and I saw in myself that I was doing a lot of Agile before Agile was really a thing. What do I mean by that is there's Agile, the process and the methodology, but even more important to me is candidly Agile, the mindset, which is about how fluid we can all be in reacting in the moment. But to answer your question, I actually, it wasn't a conscious thing that happened about my agility. It was actually very unconscious. And a lot of it, as do many things for all of us, stems back to how I was raised. And when I looked back on my younger years, and specifically the first 15 to 20, we moved around a lot by dynamic of the professions that my parents were in and my father in particular. That's why I said it was unconscious, because when that experience happens, basically what you build, because you have to, it's almost survival skills. And I, I th I've talked with many who might be listening today about this. We have a lot of leaders, for example, come from military families. They also talk about how that built agility, because what happens is you don't have a choice, right? You are put into a net new situation. And you have to figure out how do you recreate an experience for yourself? How do you build new relationships? How do you deal with if things aren't quite going the way you planned? How do you deal with curveballs and change when you weren't necessarily seeking it out, but it, quote, happens to you? And I think that innately built a muscle in me in terms of getting really comfortable with the uncomfortable. We talk a lot about that in Agile. Getting comfortable with change, again, because agility is about the ability to, to react and hopefully do so in a positive way, right? That's an important component. And how you approach a situation is so impactful to those around you. So the other thing that happened in all those moves is, you know, over time, you actually start to develop almost a desire and a craving for what the next move might be and what the next experiences you might have and what are the next set of things you might learn about people or cultures or situations that you hadn't been exposed to in the past. And it cultivated a real curiosity for me. 
that I think I was just really fortunate to bring forward into my professional life because how that translated. And I I joined a, a wonderful panel of our female leaders in FMR India yesterday. We were talking about this, which is it's so important, especially as we all age and mature, don't ever lose that curiosity. And don't ever lose that thirst for new experiences. And we talk about how it's really important to raise your hand and lean into those. Don't get me wrong. I also say to people, don't raise your hand for the purpose of just raising your hand. Make sure you are engaging in things that align with your personal interests, your professional interests, you know, maybe your career aspirations, so that there's a linkage there. But it is important to keep leaning into all that. You know, that's my real reflection on what my experiences were in my younger years that I kind of was very fortunate to continue and how that fostered that curiosity and desire to say, sure, yes, I'll try that. It's been a, it's been a great ride <laughs> so far. <laughs> I think it's neat to hear how you embrace the upheaval of moving around a lot of people when they look back they can look at that as you know instability for a long time that's how i looked at it because i had a, a very similar childhood from the time i turned 10 until i like, left for college i think i moved four or five times and yeah. i think that bred in me a certain level of what you were speaking about where you're always kind of looking for the next thing the next stimulus but you had a very healthy approach to that whereas mine was almost like i never had a contentedness it's very easy to go down that road too. So I think that we have to be careful when we talk about some of those things as parents, especially, I think it's important for us to think about how we frame these changes when they do happen in our kids' lives or in our own lives. Are we looking at it through a positive purview or a negative one? And if we're able to frame it positively and focus on what's being learned along the way, as opposed to what's being subtracted with each move, I think that can make a very big difference in being able to deploy a mindset of agility or does it become something that's a detraction? So just kind of keeping that in mind, because that kind of ties back into that perseverance component is how are we able to persevere more healthily? And I think it's really coming at it from a learning and opportunity standpoint, as opposed to what's constantly being pushed against us or being subtracted from us. It's a really great point, especially as we talk about parental responsibilities and caretaking. And my eldest daughter, if she's listening to this, may not agree with what I'm about to say. But to your point, Errol, there were times that we intentionally made a move or intentionally had her do something throughout her youth, despite her absolute discomfort with it when we put it in front of her. But we would have that conversation to your point, which said, you know, listen, this is what it's going to expose you to. And here's what you're going to learn. And here's what it's going to teach you. And I know right now that you're not seeing it, but let's have a conversation in a week and see how it's going. And inevitably, right, you know, we would sort of drop ship her into situations where for a week she'd go have a, a travel experience and she'd have to go alone and not with her best friend as a way to instantiate how do you build those new relationships? How do you make it great for yourself? But it was with purpose to your point. You know, we can see as later stage professionals that agility, I'd say, is one of the most important quotients for all of us in the workforce right now, especially in an age where the speed and pace of digital transformation that is happening around us, it's a challenge for everybody to keep up with. And if you just think about, again, what happened this year, right? I mean, nobody certainly saw on the radar a pandemic coming, but I am completely 
blown away by the agility of all of our colleagues and teammates and how everybody was able to rise to the occasion. So I'm, I'm hoping if nothing else, you know, even if Agile is still new for some people, all you have to do really is reflect and look back at the last six or seven months of your life, be it professional and personal. And I think everybody will see in themselves, hey, you might be more agile than you give yourself credit. So I want to continue down that stream of thought a little bit because we're both familiar, given what we do, that agile itself, the process-oriented agile, is geared towards technology and development and software and all, and really kind of had a really firm grasp in that. It laid out a set of steps and, and rules that you kind of follow to go there. But I'm very much on the soft skill side of things. And when I was reading The Age of Agile, it kind of related to me the, the same way a personal development book might have done. How do you see Agile as a personal development tool? Another great question. That's a, a wonderful book that you mentioned uh, just on that note, Errol, called The Age of Agile by Stephen Denning. And it's a great read. As you know, it talks about three laws within this book. And I think there's a personal connection. So I want to draw that correlation there. And I'm incredibly passionate about this. Number one, it talks about the law of the team. And again, units of work are now being produced by teams, not individuals. It's a really important culture change. Number two, the law of the customer. And he talks about radical focus on the customer. And number three, the law of the network, which is how teams and organizations and the creation of an ecosystem to actually yield client and associate outcomes. In my um, personal life, there's a couple of things that Agile has really helped me with. And I would tell you, this actually was a more intentional shift in the last three to five years, as opposed to the unconscious creation of an Agile mindset that you and I spoke about earlier. One of the key principles of Agile is how do you break work down into smaller increments so you can make progress faster and deliver value faster. There's hardly a single task in my home that I am not constantly applying this principle to. Errol, we're a family of six and we have four children that span two sort of generations. They all have really different needs. Planning to take a vacation in this household alone, as I'm sure some people will relate to and joke about, you almost need a whole project plan just to get out the door with six people. But if I don't tackle simple things like that in small increments, we actually can't get out the door in a low stress way. Or I have a, a, a number of things in our personal business we have to take care of. I will look at the huge pile on my desk and say, what are the five most important things I get done today? And I'll check it off and I'll come back to the backlog, if you will, of that list, you know, on the second day or on the third day. Back to the the laws that Stephen talks about, the law of the team and the law of the network. Well, to me, there's a team concept in a family construct and there's a networking construct in terms of how you may lean on others outside of the family. As leaders, both in our work life and our personal life, I always think about, am I creating an ecosystem and an environment that can be sustainable without me, the leader? Can you create an environment where others can reach their highest potential and be independent doing so? 
on a personal note, that's really important as a parent is the role that we have as parents to create that sustainability and independence and how we put the team mantra to work. It's also a really critical thing. The other thing is the culture of innovation and experimentation that is a byproduct of Agile. Again, I think as a parent in the COVID environment, how families have had to react to that, whether you're caring for children or siblings or parents or grandparents, I've heard a lot of people talk, not just myself, that even today we're still experimenting or MVPing with What does the dynamic inside the home and the family unit look like in a pandemic situation? And you keep those outcomes. In this case, the family is the customer, but what are the values of the family? What are the things that you really appreciate? And and you realize you have to adjust on how you continue to hold those true. And that the way you might have yielded those outcomes before now has to change, right? Because you're confined to your house or because you can't see each other or you're now dealing with an educational situation that's quite different than anybody's had to deal with. And retros actually would be the last thing my husband and I do a mini version of a retro. We've had to do this throughout the pandemic because every week there were things that were going well and there were things that not going well. And we had to talk about what we were going to adjust and try differently headed into the next week. That's a process, as you know, we use every day in our squads and our domain and tribe constructs, but it's a great technique to use at home as well. I'm glad you hit on that last one because that actually ties very much into interpersonal communication and checking in and, you know, having a healthy relationship. When I first read that book, I'm just like, wow, what a really neat way to look at how to run life. And to hear you articulate it the way you just did, I, you've obviously implemented it in your own life and, and put a lot more thought into it than I have. But I'm wondering if you'd kind of go down this vein of thought with me a little bit. You are a parent. You're also the CIO of a company and you see the importance of technology and you also see the tough side of technology and how it impacts our kids. There's this real push and pull that I would have to think that you feel. You know, just kind of explain how do you balance that as a parent? Yeah, I mean, I wish you could see the stern look on my face because it is a high conflict situation for me. Because to your point, as a CIO, I wake, I sleep, I eat, I drink, I immerse myself around constantly thinking about how do we use technology and leverage our capabilities to yield incredible personalized customer experiences, personalized associate experiences who serve those customers and scale that in the name of those business outcomes. And my whole profession is geared towards that. And yet I will be very candid with you and our audience here that in my personal life, my husband and I have taken a stance since the children were very young that we wanted very little of that in our personal life. Okay, now why do I say that? And what am I talking about exactly? These are personal opinions, of course, but we've seen sort of the impacts of social media on the younger generations. So the challenge with social media being introduced and all of that content at a super young age is just their minds are so malleable and they're so highly influenced by it. And if you're not in a situation as a parent to have the right oversight and conversations and controls around that, you know, I've seen scenarios where that can just have a life of its own. And it's it's very, very challenging to manage. 
in that situation, having a discussion about what's reality from what is social reality, uh, right? Because we all talk about we have our social personas, and then there's the real persona. So you've got that going with a certain generation. The other thing going on that we've seen, and we've seen this in COVID, is just it's incredibly addictive for children. And when I say technology, I'm even talking television, cartoons, and shows. They become an outlet very quickly. Obviously, there's some aspects of tech that are really helpful, right? If you've got a child who's learning to drive, uh, the fact that they maybe have a cell phone and have a channel in the event of emergency as parents, we feel really good about that. But you could argue that maybe something like that feels like an enhancement from a safety perspective. And then as a parent, I would say, given how low tech, no tech, we've chosen to be as a family unit because we want to make sure that the kids have a chance while they're young for us to instantiate what our family value system is. The more we could keep tech away and out of their reach, the more we could really focus on those things because I totally recognize at some point I'm not going to be in control of this anymore. But how do you make sure you have an opportunity while they're young to get all those values in place so that as they get older, as it will be harder as a parent to say no to tech, and I'll talk about why that is in a second, they've got some grounding that they can come back to. So the last thing is, you know, like many parents, here we are, you know, the kids don't have devices, we don't let them play games, and then COVID hits. And we had to go buy laptops, Errol. You know, we don't have like an arsenal of laptops where we found ourselves in a situation where the only way for them to have access to any sort of the academic programming the school was trying to offer mm-hmm. virtually. My husband and I joked and said, wow, here we've put all this work into keeping a low tech environment. And here we have found ourselves faced with a all in tech environment. So, you know, here's my advice to people. Number one, somebody gave me a great piece of advice. I never forget it. They said to me, Brooke, job number one, don't ever forget who the parent is in the relationship. Number two, absolutely, there's good guidance in the industry. We use it as a family. How do you actually have structured, healthy conversations to educate them about what is and isn't okay? And, you know, obviously this has to start now at a young age because of all the technology being used in schools. Number three, What's right for one family doesn't mean that's what's right for another family. And so, you know, that guidance for me is, you know, your children, your family, your value system, everybody should do what's right and comfortable for them. I don't think there's a right or a wrong here. And, you know, I don't think it's a place for anyone to pass judgment ever on each other around how they choose to integrate or not integrate technology into the home life. But back to our discussion on Agile, you know, it may take some experimentation, trying some things out. Never feel bad about drawing some boundaries if that's what you think is the right thing to do and keeping the lines of communication open. Yeah, it's an interesting dynamic to your point for me on the the two sides of my life and how to think about technology in both those worlds. I appreciate you sharing that. You know, we've we've been juggling back and forth between this concept of Agile. And I just want to leave the listeners with a little food for thought, because I, I really do think that this is such a powerful concept that can be applied more and more in everyday life. So for those listening, how would you recommend that they begin to ingratiate this Agile mindset to their own lives starting now? In the realm of thinking about diversity and inclusion and what are the things we can start to do differently as leaders, we as a firm launched 
a program that's branded Simple Start. And so, Errol, I was thinking about maybe I need to write what are the simple starts for Agile, right? Uh, Because that's kind of the, the essence of your question. Number one, think about the concept of the retro. All of us have so much going on in our lives. Find a way to take a pause on a weekend over a cup of coffee or a beverage of choice. And, you know, whether it's with family or friends or even, you know, a lot of folks talk about journaling, but just pay more attention to what went well this week that worked that that makes sense to continue. And what are the things where, hey, to your point, Errol, you got to go back and and revisit that and maybe come at it a different way and see if it can yield a different outcome. And I think that can be applied again, thinking about the week professionally, thinking about the week personally. The second simple start you and I have talked about is my backlog, if you will, air quotes here in my personal life, my to-do list is pretty hefty, right? And all of us run at a really frantic pace because we're so passionate about what we do. But I can't get through that whole list every weekend or in a week. So how do you break that work down into smaller increments and prioritize, you know, what really has to be taken care of today or this week? And what can you get back to in a couple days or the next week? So it's a way to keep things moving. But the third thing, which again is to me probably the most important, is thinking about the mindset that comes with Agile and being willing always to challenge our conventional wisdom, our conventional thoughts. You know, all of us have habits we've formed over the years and maintaining or if needed, refreshing that level of curiosity and openness to try something new or to challenge the way we've done something for a long time. I think that can be applied in really simple ways in the personal life. And just thinking about something as simple as taking up something that is going to stretch you, it keeps that agility muscle fresh. And maybe number four is to think about how do we pass this along to others? Because I think it's just a great muscle to have. It's all terrific wisdom that needs to be shared and once internalized, see what we can do a little bit differently. So Brooke, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on. Thank you. Thanks for a great conversation. Likewise. Thank you. And that's all we have for this episode of Success Shorts. Hopefully you found today's topic useful. And remember, have fun, stay curious, and keep it short.